This is Big Sports Radio, SEC edition. Now with your hosts, Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, and Brad Sturdy. Happy New Year. Big Sports Radio SEC is back after a break due to the holidays. Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, Brad Sturdy, and we open the new year by closing the four-team version of the college football playoff the same way that it started without an SEC team in the championship game. The, the run is over. Change in the college game is everywhere, as it's Michigan and Washington, soon to be Big Ten dorm mates in Houston instead. Standing by is the godfather of recruiting, Mike Farrell, to talk about National Signing Day. He'll break down some of the best recruiting classes in the SEC. It's all basketball for the next couple of months as conference play begins. Sixth-ranked Kentucky is at Florida in one of the games that we're watching this weekend. And a bit later, Eric Richards, who is the national recruiting director for the All-American Bowl on NBC, a game that kicks off at high noon on Saturday from San Antonio. He will join us to talk about the evolution of that game and how it has been affected by NIL and the early National Signing Day. But, uh, fellas, the CFP ain't what it used to be. SEC radio, we're talking SEC football right now. Mike, I'm, I'm telling you, this is a kind of a shocker. When you looked at the season, you looked at the way things were preseason, that there's no SEC team in the national championship game. Uh, how surprised are you? Well, I got I have to be honest with you. I know Alabama beat Georgia in the SEC championship game, but I think Georgia was probably the better team. And if Georgia would have been in the CFP, I think we'd be looking at Georgia playing Michigan. And I think those are the two best teams in the country. So, folks, put all your money on Washington. Because if I just (laughs) declared that that Michigan would be one of the top two teams, then that means Washington's going to beat them. Yeah, I I think that's fair. No, uh, But, no, I would say this. I I think the SEC – Really a lot of depth. They're going to end up, you know, with Ole Miss winning and and Georgia winning their bowl game, Alabama, you know, being in the playoff. They're going to have three of the top, what, eight teams at the end of the thing. And also next year adding Texas. So four of the top eight. Now, on the other side, you can say, well, the Big Ten's going to have, you know, three of the top eight as well or whatever. So I think that's part of the the, the thing is. But I I think the SEC is really still had a a good season. I think my question coming after this Alabama game, I thought Jalen Milrow was was great at the end of the year. But, man, they didn't seem to have confidence in him making the the easy throw, the pitch and catches the um, at, at in this game. And, and I think that hurt them offensively. I, and he took too many sacks. Uh, they didn't weren't able to get him running. I just really did not manage the game as well as he had done for the previous few weeks. Do you think he's the long-term answer at quarterback for the Tide? You know, players get better. They don't they don't stay where they're at developmentally. But I do think that there's some big problems. First off, he he lacks some awareness in the you know, when he's back in the pocket. So he holds on to the ball too long. And the other thing is 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 uh, you know, football is is you know, you've got legs on quarterback, but they also have to be able in college football to throw to about a two foot by two foot square. Um, area, and they have to be able to do it all the time. And I'm not certain that Milrow has that ability. If he doesn't develop it, I think you need to look at someone else. 
Well, and it's not like they don't bring in guys. I mean, you know, Alabama has, you know, they bring in four and five star quarterbacks every year. Um, I do think Milrow brings a, a, his ability to move is running, running abilities special, but at the same time, I, I think he's got to be able to throw um, consistently and accurately if they're going to win, if they're going to win a national title, because it, it, let's be honest, the standard in Alabama is to play for a national championship. It's not to, you know, get to the semifinal. And, and so Jalen Merrill is going to have to be better. And you mentioned he's going to improve. And, and if he does, then I think that's going to be, um, you know, they're going to have a chance to be back next year playing in this uh, final. Well, actually in the 12 team playoff next year. Yes. And if he doesn't, you also have a, a six foot two, 220 pound potential running back. And you've also got a six foot two, 220 pound potential wide receiver. So, you know, the, 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 the talent that he has is undisputable. And, and so he, he will have an opportunity on, on the field. We just have to see if he develops as a quarterback, the way uh, Nick Saban needs him to. Joining us now is Mike Farrell, the godfather of football recruiting, who is going to talk some sec football um, recruiting and the sec seems to do a pretty good job when it comes to recruiting and, and adding Texas certainly didn't hurt, hurt that all. Oklahoma, too. I mean, you know, yeah. it's kind of it, it, it's unbelievable because it's such a it's such a power conference. And now you add two teams that are power recruiting programs uh, into there and, and it skews things. You know, you're used to Georgia and Alabama being on top and they are, you know, but now you got Texas as the number three school. You got Oklahoma, the number five school. You know, so what does that do to everybody else? Pushes them down a rung. Um, and it's going to make this you know, conference more competitive. We're, we're getting rid of divisions where, you know, eventually they're going to get to a nine game, uh, it, it, you know, SEC schedule. It's going to be absolute cutthroat. And, and you know, with an expanded playoff, they're going to get probably three or four teams in each of that. Uh, the way the SEC looks recruiting wise, I, I don't see anybody winning a national championship anytime soon other than that conference. You know, the, the interesting question to me is, when you look at the at the teams, obviously, as you've mentioned, Alabama, Georgia, you know, Georgia, I guess, one, two. It was an interesting close to the season for Florida, and they really struggled coming down the end. How is that going to affect Billy Napier? Because it seemed like so much of his future was hung on the recruiting side of it. Yeah, Billy's in big trouble. And Billy was in big trouble the day he took the job, um, simply because – you know, the way, the way they, you know, they, the way they ran out Muschamp, they gave him a little bit more time. But McIlwain, you know, he won two SEC East titles and they got rid of him. You know, Dan Mullen went to the SEC championship game and, and eight games into the following season, he was on the hot seat and, and fired, uh, you know, a few games after that. The impatience there is ridiculous. So, you know, when he was, when they were looking at a coaching search, I'm like, they better sign, find somebody bulletproof. You know, because we thought Dan Mullen was somewhat bulletproof. He had, you know, done his time at Mississippi State. He was a big name. It's a big job, you know, luring him away. So you better get Urban Meyer or somebody like that or somebody who's just not going to be fired ever. And then they took Billy Napier from the Sun Belt, which, you know, good coach, way over his head, not going to be given the time. We're two seasons in. It's over. I mean, I'm not saying Billy's going to be fired today. But recruiting, as you mentioned, was what he was hanging on to. And they got D.J. Langway as a five-star quarterback, very talented kid. You know, he could be a big difference maker. But the way the class fell apart, you know, so now you're looking at um, 
two sub 500 seasons and a, and a recruiting class that's like eighth in the SEC and a schedule next year that is just unbelievably hard and the hardest in the SEC. He's done. He will not last to Thanksgiving. And it's sad to say that's life. Ole Miss, uh, Lane Kiffin had a, has had a couple of back-to-back years. He's almost become the Penn State of the SEC, right? I mean, 10 and 2, 10 and 2, and, 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 but just can't get by the, the big, big guys. But he brought, he, although he had 11 four star kids, nice recruiting class, it's down in the SEC, but nationally, obviously, that's a good recruiting class. But the question I have is his transfer portal recruiting was, is legendary this year. What, what's, how, how will that impact him? Uh, on the in the short term it's going to put a lot of pressure on him um and i don't think lane cares about that but you know he's putting together the the quote-unquote dream team in the portal so everybody's going to expect you know i've already seen talking heads on espn and stuff like that saying you know playoff minimum 12 12 team expanded playoff he's in the playoff you know but now they're talking national championship potential and and that's it's a little bit over his head. It's a little bit over Ole Miss's head here. Um, his recruiting is solid, not great. You know, um, down in the 10, 12 range for me in the SEC. The portal, great. you know, gets are great. They're, they're really, really good. He's, he's number one in my portal rankings. But the expectations have now jumped twofold. You know, he had a pretty good season this past year. He still hasn't beaten anybody. That's the problem. His record against... You mentioned Penn State. I mean, James Franklin's record against top 10 teams and top five teams is atrocious. Lane Kiffin's record is similar. Um, he, he doesn't beat anybody that wins nine games ever, like ever. I think he's done it twice and one was this season. Um, the, a team that ended up finishing with nine wins or more. He doesn't beat good teams. He loses to the good ones. Um, so now the pressure's ramped up. This, this is his chance. This is kind of his window. Uh, I think it's great, you know, to have this type of talent. But I think it's going to be a little bit too much expectation in Ole Miss. One last question before we wrap up here is: Did Alabama and Georgia expand their gap between the rest of the SEC, or did did Ole Miss with the transfer portal find a way to close it? Any? I, I think they expanded it, and I think the only one that has a chance next season is Texas. You know, Quinn Ewers comes back, and they've got a pretty low roster and a really, really good recruiting class, and Sark. It's all about culture. If you look at the different, you know, the, the similarities here, Nick Saban created culture and that culture never changes. Kirby Smart, he went after big names. He started doing the, the NAL thing. And then he said, no, we're settling. We're going culture. Uh, and that worked. Texas has established culture under Stark now. So that's the team. Everybody else, like I said, Ole Miss, it's nothing against Lane Kiffin. He just hasn't proven he could be anybody. But it, it's Alabama and Georgia 1-2, depending on your order. And then Texas is the only one I think that's close to that. Well, the SEC did not get weaker um, on on signing day. That's for sure. When you throw in, uh, they, they got the one and two, top two, and then maybe number four, um, depending on which rankings you look at. So uh, pretty impressive haul for the SEC. Thanks to the godfather, Mike Farrell, for joining us and talking some SEC uh, football. We'll be back right after this. So it was a college football bowl season, Mike. It was a, you know, it was, it was, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, had some good games, had some 
not so good games, but it, the college football playoff was fantastic. What, what's your kind of take on the bowl season? I, I, I kind of look at it and say, you know, who impressed me with their subs for next year? Yeah. I'll tell you who didn't ex- impress me and uh, was Ohio State. I didn't think they looked very good with their new quarterbacks. So maybe they need to make a change. That's why you see them offering new guys in the portal maybe uh, over the last week. And then then I would say the two teams that impressed were Oregon and USC, two new members of the Big Ten. Yeah, and, and Iowa certain didn't, certainly didn't impress me much. Um, you know, <laughs> when, typical Iowa offense, though. Yes, when, when Kirby Smart wins 63-3 to and – and says, you know, we need to change the system. You listen to him when when Kirk Ferentz gets beat 35 to nothing or whatever it was, and he's upset about it. It's like maybe, you know, have an offensive coordinator and a quarterback might be a good good first step for you. Um, I wonder, Brad, do, do, we, do we need these bowls anymore, especially when most people anticipate the championship blowing out to a full 16 team bracket that means you're playing four weekends do you need do you need to have a um bowl season well uh, okay so here's what here's why you do because who does what about liberty liberty wouldn't have made the playoff but they deserve a bowl game even though and they probably shouldn't have been playing oregon though because it really wasn't a fair fight so uh, that's the kind of team that needs to play in a bowl game. And they're not going to make the playoff, but they need to be in there. Well, there's so going to be let, one. There's going to be one of those non-P5 teams in there. Yeah, one. But what about all those other teams? What about the team that wins their conference? In college basketball, we give a conference champion an opportunity to play for the national title. Even if they're, you know, we we give the, we we would say, well, you know what? You just won the, the MAC, so you don't really count. Sorry. You know, I think they deserve something at the end of, you know, something at the end. Now, are there too many bowls? Yes, there are way too many bowls, especially if you're going to put, you know, 12 to 16 teams in a playoff. Need to be fewer bowls. Uh, I And the other part is, you know why coaches love bowls? Because it makes them look like they're doing a good job because they got to go to a bowl and so they can keep their jobs. Um, but at the at a lot of these middling programs. But if you look at the reality is, if Ohio State, Michigan, those schools, Penn State in the Big Ten, Washington, Oregon, USC, their goal is to make the playoff. You know, you, you go, that's their goal. And, and their goal is not to just be six wins and make a bowl game. So I, I think we need bowl games, though, for those other teams, for those lesser conferences. Could we do could we do something where they do a, a 16 team NIT yeah, to take see, care of it? That take would be cool, wouldn't it? That would be cool. Now, the problem you have with that is. Uh, the opt-outs, right? That's the other problem with these bowl games is nobody plays in them. But uh, the kids from Liberty didn't have a ton of opt-outs. You know, kids from, you know, those kids, it's the guys who are going to go in the first three rounds of the NFL draft or or whatever. They're kind of like, yeah, I don't want to go out and risk a chance of injury. So how do we fix that, Mike? How do we get more kids? We we, we put that in. Well, we either make them employees and then that becomes part of their contract to get paid for the season. Or you end up putting it in the NIL um, you know, in the NIL contract for at least key players that you, you know, you can make an additional, you know, 60,000 and we'll pay for an insurance policy if you, what, what, if you do yeah. so. And with the ratings we have in college football, how come these guys aren't getting compensated for playing in bowl games? Yeah. Even if it's just, you know, 10 grand, everybody gets 10 grand across the board, something like that. I, I really think, and I'm not saying that it would make a kid who's going to go, 
makes six million dollars in the NFL next year to take ten thousand dollars and risk injury? Probably not. But for that guy who's going to be in the fourth or fifth round, ten grand, and he doesn't know where he's going to get drafted, yeah, I think I'll play. I'll give it. I'll take the ten thousand. So I, well, I think especially, especially yeah. when you look at the ratings, because a bowl game that is minor is still getting better ratings than you know Kentucky versus Duke style college basketball games and and that's pretty amazing when you think about some of these bowl games you know earlier in the bowl season still get pretty good ratings I mean yeah and, and people are watching them because they're and I, it sounds terrible they're all gambling on it so they're all yeah. watching it you know they got money on that so so Mike and I will become the new czars of the new college football uh, playoff and bowl system and we will take care of it and fix it all um just you know, stay here on Big Sorts Radio and we'll we'll enlighten you and give you all that good info. So um anyway, uh we'll be back right after this uh message from our sponsors. Fans of Big Sports Radio and Sports Spectacular Podcasts have a new home on the Chief Sports Network. Find your favorite programs and content all in one place by downloading the Chief Sports app in your mobile device. Created in South Carolina, the Chief Sports Network is the home of an expanding network of live and podcast format programming. It is also the home of one of the leading national college football podcasts, JC and Morgan, hosted by ESPN's Mike Morgan and 24-7 Sports' JC Sherbert. Download the Chief Sports app for free and find all of your favorite programming under one easy umbrella. Thanks to all of our markets for your loyal support of Big Sports Radio and our Sports Spectacular podcast. And we look forward to connecting with you anywhere in the world on the Chief Sports app. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the Health Insurance Helpline can help you get it. 800-448-0828-800-448-0828-800-448-0828-800-448-0828. That's 800-448-0828. You're listening to Big Sports Radio, SEC Edition. Let's talk a little high school football. Best of the best. Eric Richards is the National Recruiting Director for the All-American Bowl on NBC. And that game coming up Saturday, noon Eastern on NBC. 24th year. And Eric joining us to talk about uh, this next wave. Eric, Happy New Year. Good to have you with us. Oh, great. Great to get through another year. And uh, it's good to be on. Yeah. Uh, tell us about this. I mean, it's one that... Boy, college football is just is changing so much. But I think when you're going after the very best players in the country, that's never going to change. Um, but talk about kind of this game and 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 how it's evolved over the years from what it was when you guys started 24 years ago. Yeah, I mean, the first year, uh, the uh, owners of the company at that time just said, well, hey, McDonald's High School uh, All-American Game in Basketball is doing it. Why don't we do a football game? And so they literally threw together a uh, a hundred something invites uh, to players um, and, and didn't know what was going to happen, brought them into Dallas. And first class was Kevin Jones, a running back in Virginia Tech, and Maurice Corrette, uh, famous for Ohio State. Uh, they, they brought them in and uh, ran it in Dallas in a rainstorm. And 
luckily enough, a army general happened to uh, peek in and uh, came to them the next year and said, hey, I think we want to get involved with this. Recruiting's down. The football player makes the perfect candidate uh, of what we're after. Um, not only from enlisted, but from an officer candidate standpoint. And while we know we're not going to get the five star to uh, sign up for the Army for four years and sign his life away, it's his teammate or his 50 teammates are the perfect uh, candidate that we're after. They have the work ethic, been to football practice uh, and, and general study. And so the Army was a part of it uh, for a better part of 20 years. And um, um, they moved on and, and went away at NBC took over the game uh, and, and own it and uh, partnered with Adidas. And here we are four years later. I'm glad that you bring that up because this is the game that to your point we've known is it was, you know, it was the army game, right? I mean, it was, you know, by us army and it was, um, um, as I recall, watching over the years, the military presence and pregame half halftime, things like that. Um, what's the week like for these players when they come in? I mean, I know, you know, it's like a bowl game. It's, it's not just the game. There's all these other things happening uh, behind the scenes. Well, the first thing we did is we we wanted to treat it like a bowl week. So we, uh, you know, we researched what the college teams were going through at the Rose Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, the Orange Bowl, how the week was set up um, as far as on the field and off the field. And we wanted to reciprocate that. And when we built out the schedule and it's why we bring them in uh, on Monday before the, until the game's Saturday, there's a lot of uh, off the field stuff. There's a lot of uh, classes. And now with NIL, there's even deeper classes uh, um, and stuff. And so it was all modeled after college bowl weeks and the feedback we get uh, from athletes. And, and I must admit this game's been in San Antonio for 23 of the 24 years. And the, community here has supported it like like no end as you probably listeners probably know all-star games are tough to get attendance because outside of the kids that are playing in it and their families nobody's really interested in the east versus west or uh Gwinnett county versus Kevin. it's not uh brookwood versus parkview or or buford versus mill creek uh situation but fast forward the city of san antonio has supported this thing and We've had as many as 40,000 in the stands and uh, as little as 25,000 and it all in between. And what we find is people, uh, uh, parents now that were kids came and now they're bringing their kids. So it's kind of a, a, a locally adopted uh, gym of San Antonio. So it's been real great. We've, we, look, we've often been asked, hey, you want to move this to San Diego, Los Angeles? Snoop Dogg's worked on us hard as he's part of my selection committee. Hey, move this to L.A., uh, move it to Miami, but uh, San Antonio has been so good from a, a CBB standpoint, and more importantly, a uh, a crowd standpoint. And you know, we the Under Armour games in uh, Orlando, and I, I know the runners of that, and they have a hard time getting people there. If you watch that game, there's less than twenty five hundred, three thousand in the stands, and we've been blessed with anywhere from twenty five thousand to forty thousand in the stands. And players come back to us that go to Alabama and go to Georgia, and they say, hey. It was no different playing in front of 80,000 as it was playing in 40,000. So that, that that helps prepare them for that first game because a lot of these uh, athletes are, are, you know, Larry asked to start as a freshman. Yeah. Well, and and to your point, it's um, it, it's a San Antonio's a fantastic sports market that doesn't have um, big time football. I mean, you're at UTSA and they're building and, and, and we give them credit over there. But um, you're exactly right in terms of you have all the amenities that you need there. Um, and I'm sure the kids as well feed off that energy. You know, when when the, to your point, if you've got twenty five thousand, thirty thousand, uh, in in you know forty thousand in the in the stands, 
um, and a big play is made, you've got that energy and that fuels you. It's not just playing in front of a couple thousand people in a cavernous stadium and uh, with everyone really on their phones, not paying attention. Yeah, the only athletes that had, uh, that have done it before are the Dallas Metro athletes that play in front of 25,000 a week. Right. <laughs> exactly. And uh, to, to, let's also say Texas is one heck of a sport for football, right? At any level. So you're, you're exactly right. Um, yeah. I mean, the community support and the um, Texas, a lot of people ask me who has the best high school football when you're talking players. It's, you know, Georgia, Florida, California, Texas, probably fifth or sixth on the list. The community support, number one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just go visit any high school stadium that some small colleges would. I mean, I went to a division one double A school and you know, the stadiums and high school stadiums in Texas, I mean, are far exceed anything that we ever had. Um, you talked about NIL. Um, what's the biggest change that, that you guys have had with that approach in terms of, um, the things you're seeing and involving, obviously the dollars that are, that are being passed around, but even in terms of what you feel is maybe your own responsibility to try to help educate these young men about um, what this is all about and, and some of the, the pitfalls of having all this money all of a sudden. Okay. How long is this show? <laughs> uh, um, it's you know, uh, got a few minutes. <laughs> it's, it's gone from zero to 60. I'll try to give you a short answer. Um, listen, I was one that championed that, you know, the, the kids deserve, specifically, I watched the whole A.J. Green thing unfold when he got in trouble for selling his bowl jersey and helmet on eBay. Um, I, I thought it was ridiculous that a college athlete, I, I kind of fostered Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb from the time they were 10 years old. And uh, while they were at Georgia, you know, it's forbidden for them to go do an autograph show. I, I, I didn't like that rule. We had to go through, I run a camp company. We had to go through all kind of hoops to bring a kid in and coach a camp and everything. And I thought that was uh, ridiculous. Now, was the NCAA ready for what happened? I think they just turned a blind eye and said, look, y'all want the Wild Wild West? We'll give you the Wild Wild West. Unfortunately, it became the Wild Wild West, and it can't be reeled in now. It's, um, you know, there were no restrictions or salary caps put in place. And uh, to listen to some of these head coaches, and I'm not going to name, but they're down in your area in the SEC, uh, you know, when this thing first evolved, they had starters on national championship caliber teams that the first year may have been making 5000 a month. They had three-star recruits coming to them and saying, hey, I want 50000 a month. And so you can imagine that locker room and, and everything. And Brock Bowers is one that comes to mind. I mean, Kirby was giving 5000 a month once NCIL kicked in. The collective from Georgia was giving them 5000 a month. And then you had players coming in and, and quarterbacks and one that just uh, decommitted that was asking for a hundred thousand a month that, you know, didn't even have a starting position. She got Brock Bowers, Heisman candidate for sure. First five round pick. And then, you know, high school recruits coming in that hadn't started a game. So um, it's, it's, it's out of control. I don't think they can reel it in. I think it's uh, something we're going to have to live with. It has become, it has become the minor league feeder uh, for professional football. The unfortunate thing is, Larry, is some of these quarterbacks, even if they got drafted in the NFL, if they weren't drafted in the first round, they'll never make the kind of money that they're going to make at the college level, $100,000 a month. I mean, NFL minimum is four or 500000 Taylor Heineke that's been around the league uh, for better part of eight years now, uh, you know, he made league minimum for his first six years. 
and stuff. And now you got quarterbacks at colleges that are are, are making a better part of a million, million and a half a year. I think Matt Rule said it best. If you want a good quarterback in today's market, it's going to cost you cost you a million and a half to two million. Um, I'd really hate to see it drop down to the high school level. Uh, one of our own athletes in California uh, basically signed a deal with Tennessee that he had eight million coming to him. I can't fathom eight, eight fathom eight million in in my lifetime, probably. And so I, I think it's going to, uh, you know, long term, it's going to create problems of people that obtain that wealth but don't get drafted in the NFL or don't have a Trevor Lawrence or Bryce Young contract. And then you've got four cars in the driveway and a house, everything. How, how do you pay for it once the money's gone? So um, that's it in a nutshell. It's here. It's not going to go anywhere. Uh, it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. But uh, that's society we live in. And it all went to our great friends at the NCAA didn't get out in front of it. And I think that's where I think no matter where people are on the NIL argument, I think we all have that one common denominator, right? That they did. They turned a blind eye said, yeah, do whatever. And now they're trying to come back and put the toothpaste back in the tube. And that just doesn't happen with anything, right? Um, they, they, don't, they don't want that lawsuit. Trust me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, we had the early signing day now for the past few years. How has that changed uh, with kids coming in where, you know, you, you still have some kids who kind of wait until the, you know, the big day to be with you guys to make their decision. Um, but how has that kind of changed recruiting and, and even, uh, again, kids signing, uh, making that announcement on game day. Yeah, I think, um, well, let, let me, that's a, a large question. The first announcement on TV was at our game was Reggie Bush stood in the tunnel pregame and uh, said, hey, you think uh, I could announce during the game on TV? And I said, I don't see why not. I said, uh, we got to do something creative. Uh, who are your final three schools? You want to put on a hat? You want to put on a hoodie? What do you want to do? And he said, uh, I'll do the, I'll do a hat. This is Reggie Bush now, 2000. I'll back it up to like 2002, I believe 2003. And uh, so I sent a uh, sent an intern across Riverwalk to the mall. We picked up three hats. Uh, he got them back before halftime, and it was USC, uh, US, UCLA, and 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 Washington or another state on the West Coast, and uh, started the hat thing. Fast forward at that time, Larry, only about five players out of the hundred left the game and went to their colleges. Now, after we're finished with this game, out of the 100 players, about 75 will fly out to their teams. 50 of these kids were already with their teams at bowl games and bowl practices and have come back to us after being a part of the team. The uh, Georgia kids, we flew them out of Miami after the Orange Bowl and, and brought them in. And so there was seven of them. So uh, that that's evolved a lot. Um, the As far as early signing day, Going before they can do all that, they have to sign with the school. Fast forward and, and insert uh, early signing period, and that's why, generally speaking, about eighty to eighty-five percent are wrapped up um, on the December in, in the December signing period. Yeah, and I, I mean, I'm for one, I'm a proponent of in football the early signing, uh, get them on campus in January. So by the time you hit September. Um, it's not all new to you, right? I mean, it's 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 such an adjustment, especially um, with the stakes um, that exist in that are unique to the game of college football. Before I let you go, I want to ask you about FBU. Um, what are you guys? How do you guys prepare kids for the college level and and beyond? Great question. Um, what we're seeing down here on the national stage, probably about five to six years into the game. So way back in 2010, 
we were getting these genetic freaks and they were six, six, 300 pounds, maybe playing in Minneapolis or uh, in, in Boston, Massachusetts or something. And that type of athlete was dominating uh, the talent he was playing against and looked good on film and everything. Well, they'd get down here on this national stage and all of a sudden they were matched against the Will Anderson types that, you know, are six, five two thirty, and coming off an edge and exposing them. So uh, we said, how can we fix this before they get here? Cause you can't fix it in the five days they're here. And uh, so uh, me and my partner, Steve Quinn, we developed uh, uh, and started FBU stands for football university. And it's a, uh, uh, it was a two-day camp at that time. We would go in uh, to high schools, uh, bring in ex-NFL coaches and, and, and ex-college coaches and, and, and technique these kids up. We would spend an equal amount of time in the classroom as we would on the field. So we would install, we'd go out and do it. Then we'd come back and review it and install the next session. It was uh, basically duplicated after an NFL mini camp, a uh, three-day mini camp um, series. And so we're in 40 cities now. Uh, across the country with the camp model. Uh, we've we condensed it down to one day with the growth of seven on seven. A lot of these athletes couldn't make two-day camps, so we condensed it down to one day. And uh, on, a, on a Saturday, we're liable to be in Atlanta, and we pack up the truck like Ringo Brothers, Barnum & Bailey Circus, and on Sunday, we're in Birmingham. And, and likewise, across the country, running two trucks simultaneously. And I, I know you're loving every minute of it. <laughs> uh, I'm not getting any younger, but uh, uh, now nah, the, the the relationships I've made through football it's it's incredible. I mentioned Snoop Dogg; his son played in our game back in uh, 2015. Uh, it, it, Toby Keith's son played in our game, so I've been backstage at Toby Keith concerts. Lorenzo Cortita that owned the UFC, uh, uh, you know, uh, with Dana White, um, kids played in our game and actually actually circled back around and bought bought my company uh and is the current owner now three step three step sports so the the relationships i've made through football you 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 have no idea of, of the kids that play from celebrities to to just you know ceos and everything else sure sure i got 15 seconds monday night michigan or washington who you got Ooh, man that's a pre preview of the big 10 matchup yeah i think michigan's defense has proven i just saw a stat this morning we know how good that 2021 georgia defense was michigan held their opponents this year to 9.3 and beat that 10.2 total that georgia beat in 2021 so i think defense wins out um and, and, and but it, i think it'll be a close game michigan's not gonna pull anybody out i think it'll be closer than people think yeah, yeah. A couple of good games Monday. Hopefully another one uh, this coming Monday. Uh, Eric yeah. Richards, appreciate your time, my friend. Uh, National Recruiting Director again for the All-American Bowl on NBC. Saturday, noon Eastern on NBC, uh, 24th year. Congratulations uh, on the great success. And we really appreciate your time to kind of give us some insight here. No problem. Love to come on anytime. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Once again, Eric Richards. And again, Saturday, noon Eastern on NBC. Stay with us. More to come after this. If I was your mother and you had a drug problem, I'd grab you by the ear and make you call and get help. You can be in treatment tomorrow and start to get clean in seven days. Follow mom's advice and call the Detox and Treatment Helpline now. Write this number down. 877-927-3380. 877-927-3380. That's 877-927-3380. You're listening to Big Sports Radio, SEC edition. 
want to talk a little NFL right now. Um, guys, we're coming down to the final weekend. Your vote for most valuable player. Um, I think I can guess this, but go ahead. I'm not going to be a mind reader. So I want to, I want to hear what you think. Well, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Lamar Jackson. I know that's crazy, it's wild, but I, I know I've gone out on a limb. I, honestly, I, I, I could, you, you could make an argument for a couple other guys, maybe. You know, I think Dak Prescott's had a great year, um, but I, I just think that Lamar Jackson is the, is the guy. Yeah, I, I can't agree or disagree with that. He has had a, a masterful season. They're the best team right now in the league. Of course, that doesn't mean you're going to win the Super Bowl, but he's had a, a heck of a season and got him, his team into a place where they get a week of week or two of rest. That That's the perfect way to earn an MVP. Perhaps we should say Joe Flacco should be the half-season MVP, though, right? <laughs> I mean, because <laughs> he has brought the Cleveland Browns back from the abyss. So Can, can he close the deal, you know? <laughs> I know. Wild. In a way that few have done for the Cleveland Browns since, like, Brian Sipe. I mean, it's just not oh. right. So I uh, had a dream. I, I swear. I had a dream that Cleveland scored against Kansas City to go to the Super Bowl against the Cowboys. So that against the Cowboys is how I know it's probably totally wrong. But <laughs> anybody out there, I had a dream. I'm going to call this a month and a half early. So then when I miss on both teams, there'll be no reason to remember this conversation at all. Okay. <laughs> Our producer, Tony Cordero, just wrote down the, the, the timestamp. So we're going to go back and follow this. Cowboys and Browns will never happen now because <laughs> well, of me. That's exactly. I uh, Well, listen, their droughts are almost identical. Almost. No, just kidding. Um, uh, I gotta admit Lamar Jackson. I mean, there's no question. It's just, you know, he's the man. Um, how about rookie of the year? Any question there in terms of who's the top rookie this year? Well, it's, uh, I think it's CJ Stroud. I mean, he's just had a fantastic season. Um, um, the, the one I, I do, you know, when you, we talk of, you know, we often talk about, you know, uh, surprises or guys that really had, uh, had moments. I, I would say that, you know, how about Devin Witherspoon out in Seattle? He had that one Monday night game as a rookie, and he looked like a, he might have been rookie there at that point. But uh, C.J. Stroud just had a fantastic season for a rookie, and the rookie quarterbacks in the NFL usually don't fare that well, and and, and as Bryce Young would attest. And so uh, this is uh, C.J. Stroud's had a fantastic year. C.J. has made us look good because we both agreed that we kind of thought he was the best quarterback in the draft. And very rarely am I right, so I've loved to harp on the one or two times that it does happen. Uh, Witherspoon, I think, without some nagging injuries, might have been able to make a really good run at it. Uh, but he's had a spectacular year, and you have seen that in the you know in the recruiting when Illinois goes after DBs because they can point to a guy who is a zero star who ends up the number five pick in the draft. This is true. Got to ask you guys a little bit off topic here. I want to get your thoughts. Um, is it me or why is it every time I look at the Dolphins head coach, I think of Mark Anthony and I think, boy, that guy's had a great year. I mean, just a great career. He was a singer. He was an actor. He was married to <laughs> Jay And now he coaches the Dolphins. <laughs> he does. They do look alike. I'm waiting for him to break into song on the sidelines, you know? So I tell you what, he, um, yeah, they, they, I'd say Miami's had a pretty good year though, overall. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I think it's been a good kind of bounce back. They've got a good offense, good, uh, good group. So, but yeah, yeah it and, does look like Mark. <laughs> and, and, and Miami, you don't turn off because the offense is electric and you never know if there could be a concert on the sideline. So, I mean, there's reasons <laughs> to keep, stay tuned. 
Exactly. Stay tuned for your post-game show with your head coach of the Miami Dolphins, Mark Anthony. Uh, yeah, I well, actually once uh, I played Doral years ago, and he was in the group ahead of me. And he, Mark Anthony, the Dolphins coach. <laughs> oh no, no, Mark. Okay, gotcha. yeah, the that other guy and uh, a tiny guy. I'm I'm not a very big guy. I mean, he was skinnier than I am. Like just just I was skinny back then. Not 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 the Larry today. But yeah, no. Uh, and I, here's I'm really happy as well for Tua. I mean, we don't know with you know brain injuries down the line, but he appears for the moment to have recovered from that. You know, a year ago we were talking about, listen, don't come back. Don't play. You're too yeah. young. Um, but he, he's come back and, and played very well. They're an exciting team to watch. Um, and it's been a while since the Dolphins have mattered. And it's great to see them back uh, in the in the, in the the conversation again. Yeah, no question. I think it's been fun. He put no. up some points. We'll see what happens. No, I don't like the Dolphins. Never liked them. Always got tired of Don... You know, Don Shula is better than Tom Landry, so I've never been a Dolphin guy. Oh, okay. You're not jaded or biased at all with that. No, opinion. not at all. I'm totally objective on this. I was mad when the uh, the Dolphins. Remember the Dolphins beat the Bears? And oh yeah. Only oh yeah. I mean that was that. I mean that should have been an undefeated season if if uh, Buddy and Dicka didn't get in their little mini civil war that yeah. second half. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Well, they just it was. Marino was okay early. though. T- today it'd be that that would be like a special on the SPN. They would just move in and go oh, today. They do a thirty for thirty right there live. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Live thirty for thirty. Dicker versus Buddy. Who's right? Let's break it down. All right, <laughs> we got to go. Hey, first week of the new year. It's been uh, great to have you on. Thanks to all the guests who stopped by. As always, enjoy the games and enjoy the weekend. We'll see you same place next time. Take care. The preceding program is a product of Rise Above Productions and Revision Sound. Join us next week for the latest edition of Big Sports Radio SEC.